Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You're so good. You're faithful, you're kind, you're generous, you're gentle, you're loving, and we're so grateful to you, Lord. We thank you for what you did for us. Over 2,000 years ago, it's so real to us today. If there's ever been a time we need to look to Jesus, it's now. If there's ever been a time that humanity needs to turn to the cross, it's now. Would you help us to see and savor the reality and the beauty, the loveliness, the perfection of Jesus and what he's done for us? In your name we pray. Amen. The good thing about being a Christian is that we get to live in the resurrection every day. Every day. We celebrate the resurrection every day. And without the realization, without the revelation of the resurrection, we have no hope. It's one thing to consider that a man died for us, but the fact that this man that died for us rose again is an incredibly powerfully prominent truth. And I want to submit to your friends and family, maybe we haven't met, I hope we can be friends pretty soon, is that he died for you. And he died for me. And we've got to personalize that truth. We've got to embed that deep within us. Because if we don't believe in the resurrection, there is no hope. It's not just through believing that Jesus is Lord and confessing. It's also believing that God rose him from the dead that we are saved. Romans 10 tells us all about that. And we must remember, as we've heard before, that you can never keep a good man down. Never keep a good man down. Jesus Christ conquered sin and Satan and hell and death, and he was buried. Three days later, he was risen again. God the Father brought him to victorious living because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit, and that is cause for celebration. It's been said that he didn't have servants, yet he was called master. He didn't have uh, any degrees, but he was called teacher. He didn't have any medicines, but he was called healer. He didn't have an army, but the kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He did nothing wrong. He committed no sin, yet he was crucified and he died. He was put in a tomb, but he lives victorious today because he lives we live. Because He reigns, we reign in Him. Let's never underestimate that truth. I've just got a couple of verses I feel to read today, and um, if you're with me, let's turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I'm going to go verse 28 to 30. You got it? No. There's some statements here that Jesus made on the cross that we know about. Does anyone know off the top of their heads? How many statements did Jesus make on that cross? Seven. Very good. Seven statements. I want to talk about the last three, but in particular, one statement involving three words. Okay, so we're going to read 
a couple here. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, everyone say that word, finished. It's an important word. He said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. That's the fifth statement that he made. I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Actually, Luke tells us the very last thing that Jesus said. Who knows what Jesus said before he died? The very, what was the seventh statement? Into your hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands. In fact, Bible tells us he declared it loudly. He emphatically declared it loudly. See, it wasn't just that he took Jesus' life. Jesus gave his life. It is finished it is finished when jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished it is finished now that word finished and particularly it is finished those words together the word used there was to telestai to telestai to telestai to telestai can we put that word on the screen please and that, can i just say there's an extra chocolate for the children, if they write this word down, to tell a star. Do you see that? Okay, quick. Put that one the children. Write that down. You can get an extra chocolate for that one. To tell a star. When Jesus said to tell a star, it wasn't just, it's over. Oh, it's over. This agony is over. Good Friday, we declared and we also celebrated what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it was, an, it was an agonizing experience in the lead up to the cross. It was agony in the 24 hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was agony when he was taken to the cross. When he's on the cross, it was agony for him. It wasn't just physical agony, though that it certainly was. I contend that it is emotional, psychological agony. It was huge to carry the guilt, the shame, the sin of humanity, and he put it upon himself. And when Jesus was there, he was in a loving obedience to the Father, was thinking about us taking on the wrath, the fury, the judgment of God that was due to you and was due to me. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it. But there was a divine exchange that took place, our sin for his righteousness. It was on that cross where he said, Tetelestai! It's finished, not just, oh, it's over. What he meant was it's completed. It is accomplished. Mission complete. Jesus knew that he was in this world, the Creator became as the creation, subjected Himself to us to seek and save that which is lost. And Jesus, as He declares that, He says, what I have come to do, I have fulfilled. All the promises from thousands of years before have been fulfilled, have been completed, have been matured, have been finished. It was like... I have crossed 
the finish line now. It's not, oh, thank you. It's over. The promises, the prophecies, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, the justice that was required to be satisfied, the overcoming of Satan and sin and death, it was finished. Telestai, to telestai could be defined as paid in full. It's an accounting term, paid in full. He paid the price that we couldn't pay because there was a debt that we owed that he didn't. To tell us die. If you're taking notes, write this first point down. Jesus fulfills his promises. Jesus fulfills his promises without fail. Without fail. Isaiah chapter 53, we see prophet Isaiah speaking, prophesying. Verse 4, I'm going to read just a few verses and then I'll jump ahead. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Who's he talking about there? Who's he talking about? Jesus. So in the Old Testament, we see predictions and prophecies about Jesus you, you can see riddled through every book of the Bible, Jesus is in there. The Old Testament, he's in there. Perhaps he's concealed. And they say that the New Testament, he's revealed. So we see in verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whose iniquity was put on Jesus? Ours. Every single one of us. Every single person in this room can celebrate. Because our sins have been paid for in full. Verse 10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities it's such a um, a powerful passage that chapter a really important passage important for us to remember that Jesus fulfills his promises without fail without fail What was really interesting was that his disciples even couldn't handle that, though Jesus promised that this would happen. Jesus foretold that this would happen himself. Let's check out Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. I know I haven't given it to you. How quick are you? Quick draw, McGraw. Matthew 16 
verse 21. Jesus is telling his disciples something here. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter didn't like that. <laughs> so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, Jesus fulfills his promises even when we try to get in the way. What's he promised to you? Have you ever tried to stop Jesus from fulfilling his promises? Not even you can get in the way. Peter didn't understand. He was a bit of a dullard in this moment. And Jesus is like, what, what's the matter with you? Get behind me, Satan, rebukes him quite sternly. Jesus makes a promise about what's to happen. This is why he's come. Check out the next chapter, chapter 17, verse 22, please. He does it so many times. I'm just going to prove it to you, though. Verse 22, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them again, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. Have you ever had a promise made to you and it not be fulfilled? Maybe you've had someone let you down. A parent, a child, a neighbor, a spouse, they've let you. I promise I'll do that for you. And they've let you down. The good news is when Jesus says something, you can take it to the bank. Maybe not one of these earthly banks that are going bankrupt, the spiritual bank. You can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. If he says it, we believe it, and that settles it. So my question, friends and family, is what has he promised you? Because what he promises, he will fulfill without fail, without exception. And as he gives us a promise, we have faith in the promise. As he gives a word, we have faith in his word. In Numbers, it tells us that God is not a man that he should... He's not a man that he should lie. But who's the father of lies? Who's the deceiver of the nations? And so Satan himself will do what he can to dissuade us and distract us and even depress us from putting our faith in the promises of God. Without fail, without exception, he will always fulfill his promises. Second thing, we can see when Jesus says it is finished, it's not just that he's fulfilling a promise that was given. I love this. Jesus does not play the victim here because he's the victor. Jesus does not play the victim. When he is on the cross, he doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. Jesus had a pretty rough life. Isaiah tells us he was a man of sorrows. Bible tells us he was a man who wasn't much to be looked upon. He was ridiculed and unbelieved by his brothers. He was forsaken by his disciples. 
He was falsely accused by powerful government officials. He was crucified with criminals. He was sinless. But he didn't have the, the violins and the fiddles playing for, oh, no, oh, woe is me. What about me? It isn't fair. He didn't play the victim because he was the victor. Bad things still happened. And he was the victim. But he wasn't in the victim seat. He didn't play the victim card because he was the victor. This was all part of the providential plan of our loving father. He was the lamb that was sacrificed before the foundation of the world. Bad things happen. They do. Welcome to humanity, sinful humanity. But our decision is, will we have joy or misery? The Bible tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was a victim, but he was a victim for us, but he didn't play the victim's card. It was all part of his plan. Remember it. He said, into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. He is a God who finishes. Let's check out John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. Jesus says, for this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I do it. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Check out this quote from Morris. I love this one. Jesus died with the cry of the victor on his lips. This is not the moan of the defeated, nor the sigh of patient resignation. It is the triumphant recognition that he has now fully accomplished the work that he came to do. So as Jesus didn't play the victim card, neither should we. What's your excuse? If he's victorious and he rules and reigns, so do we in him. Because where he is, we are also. Remember, we are hidden with Christ in God, it tells us in Colossians. He's a good God. He's a great God. Final point. Hey, Lilies, have you got the first two points? Did you get the first one? What was the first one? Jesus fulfills his promises without fail. The second one, Jesus doesn't play victim. I'm getting a lot of thumbs up. You want the chockies real bad today, don't you? Oh, yes. He doesn't play the victim because he's the victor. The final one is this. Jesus will always finish what he starts, always. Jesus will always finish what he starts, always. In fact, he doesn't start something that he won't finish. Anyone have any half-finished projects at home? I've got a couple. I've got a couple of projects at home. I just, 
It just calls my name. It judges me from a distance. When I look at it, it eyeballs me. Oh, I've got to finish putting that privacy screen. I've got to put those planks up. I've got to tighten that. Oh, I'm too. What's that? Oh, look, shiny silver thing. Oh, look, let me get distracted over there. <laughs> Anyone married to someone that doesn't finish what they've started? The projects around the house, is that? Yeah. Mm. The dishes. Oh, yes. Doesn't finish the dishes. Okay. <laughs> I can't look at anyone anymore. Yeah, we serve a God who doesn't just start and stop halfway through. He's in the, binish, in the business of completing, of accomplishing, of finishing. Let's check this out. In John 4.34, it says, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing His work. Revelation 21 verse 6, It is finished! says Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Not just the beginning, but the end. Philippians 1.6 tells us this. This is our, uh, our memory verse at home this, this week. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this. I am sure of this. I am sure. It's not even I'm second-guessing this, says Paul to these Christians in Philippi. I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. New Living Translation puts it this way. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So you might have given up on you, but God hasn't because He's not done with you. God's not done with you. He's not finished with you. He doesn't leave projects half finished. Maybe you've come this morning going, oh, I, I, I don't see the end of this. I don't see how this could possibly be accomplished, finished, done. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see it happening. Well, I'm telling you that it might not happen in a day, it might not happen in a week, it might not happen in a year, it might not happen in 10 years. But if he promised it, if he starts, started something, we have a promise that is going to continue through to completion. Tetelestai. He will declare Tetelestai when he returns. It'll all be done, all be finished. Maybe the, it is finished in, in, in a certain window or a certain season of your life. Maybe that chapter might be finished, completed, fulfilled Today, it might be next week, it, it might be in 10 years, it might be even longer. But I tell you what, if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. When I was in year 11, uh, year 10, year 11, and a bit of year 12, you know I had long, longish hair? True story, true story, Mr. Gaffney. <laughs> I used to, no, it wasn't a mullet. Though in hindsight, I wish I had a bit of business at the front and party at the back. I wish that I could have a mullet. That's one of my regrets, not having a mullet at school. And I had long hair, and do you know, jeez, <laughs> can't believe I'm sharing this now. You know one of my, uh, <laughs> what, what one of my nicknames were by some of the girls? Sunsilk boy. 
It's not in my notes. I've got to stick to my notes. <laughs> so, sun silk boy. Because, oh, I might as well just drop the mic and get down now. Lost all credibility. Because I used to take really good care of my hair. I used to buy sun silk and Pantene and <laughs> shampoo and conditioner. And you can't see it now. Like I'm getting thin on the top and gray on the sides. And what are you laughing at, Mr. Gaffney? You're the last person that should be laughing about hair right about now. There you go. Too much Pantene. When I was at school, there was an ad about, about Pantene. You remember the old Pantene ad? Pantene treatment shampoo for hair so healthy it shines. It won't happen overnight, but you're picking up what I'm putting down. That Pantene, it might not have happened overnight, but it will happen. Now for us, God says, exercise some patience, children. I may not come through overnight, but I will come through. Our generation, our world, disciples us to have a microwave mentality whilst we deal with a crockpot God who takes time. He takes time. But I need it now. Don't you know, God, you're a celestial vending machine. If I insert my prayers and my hallelujahs and raise my hand, you've got to come through with me now. Have patience. Just because you don't see any fruit on the tree now doesn't mean it's growing underneath. Trust in him. Wait on him. And let him fulfill the promises. Don't you try to do it. He does a far better job. I don't want an Ishmael. I want an Isaac. I don't want something forced in the natural. I want something naturally birthed in the spirit. Let God do it. What has he promised you? What is he doing? He will finish it. He will. When Jesus said, it is finished, when he said Telestai, to Telestai, he said, our sin, our rebellion, our greed, our selfishness has been paid for in full. And we just need to receive it and say thank you. I was talking to one of the girls last week as I'm tucking her into bed and was talking about how um, when we feel bad for things that we do, we tend to punish ourselves. We tend to get down on ourselves. Why do we do that? If our Savior cries out, Tetelestai, it's been paid for in full. Why are we trying to pay that when it's already been paid for? Have you ever gone to a, an outing or a, with friends or a dinner? You go to pay the bill, but someone's already beaten you to it. 
They say, sorry, I can't take that anymore. It's already been paid for. Someone's already paid for that. Anyone ever been blessed by that before? Well, have a guess what? Someone's already paid for you. Why, why are we getting caught up in beating ourselves up all of the time when we muck up? Why do we do that? Why, why, why do we feel the need to harm and hurt ourselves to cause pain and inflict upon ourselves when someone's already done that? When he says it's finished, he means it's finished. Stop trying to pay for a debt that's already been paid for in full. Even if we tried to do it, we couldn't have done it anyway. So this Easter, let us be reminded by the Holy Spirit that what happened for us a couple of thousand years ago, it being finished, really is finished. Let's trust in that declaration that Jesus made. It's done. It's accomplished. It's matured. It's totally finished for you. That the love of the Father is positively, generously, and eternally showered upon us because of what was done for us on that cross. And if you look at that cross behind us, he's not on there, is he? He's not on there anymore. When he was on the cross, they took him down, they wrapped him up, they embalmed him, they put him in a tomb. A borrowed tomb, in fact. And then, after a few days in that tomb, they noticed that the that the front covering, the stone, was rolled away. I've gone to Israel to see what those tombs looked like and uh, what stones would cover in front of those uh, entrances. They're huge. So when the stone was rolled away, he wasn't in there except it was just nicely folded. And they found out his face off his face linen was just folded up in the tomb <laughs> who remembers uh any bible uh scholars here recall perhaps what the folded up napkins or the folded up linen might have pointed us to he's coming back he said a jewish feast when you finished your meal you would take the napkin you just throw it in once you'd had enough, but if you were to come back and return to the table, you'd fold it up so nicely and leave it there. Jesus gives us a message that he's coming back. He's coming back really soon. Sooner than you might realize. So Jesus conquered sin and Satan and hell and death that we can walk in, live in and enjoy eternal life knowing with eager anticipation that he's coming back so soon. This Easter, may we be reminded that he's finished, but he's coming back. Let's pray. Can you stand with me as we pray together? If you're comfortable, would you raise your hands toward heaven? 
this is what I'm going to ask us to do just before I pray. I'm going to let you know how I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Lord, by His Spirit, would remind us of things that He's spoken to us, stuff that He has promised to us. It might have been this last week. It might have been to you as a child. It might have been a long time ago, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of things that He has said to you, that He has spoken. And what we're going to do as we pray is we're going to say, Hey, Lord, we trust you to finish it that you would bring it to completion, that you would bring it to maturity. Are we ready to be reminded by the Spirit just now? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and that's exactly what our hearts long for, for a reminder. Would you speak to us? Perhaps, Lord, for some of us, we, we've never heard your voice, but Lord, would you speak to us about a promise? Tell us something that we can take to the spiritual bank. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.